Pastor McKelvey, it's good to have you back. Thank you. I'd invite you this morning to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew, chapter 11. As you're turning there, I want to thank you again for the opportunity to be with you. I I noticed as I came over the mountain, your snow is a different color here. It's green, not white. (laughs) It was very nice to see that, whatever you call that stuff on the ground. I'm ready for a winter to be over, but that's all in the Lord's providence. Matthew chapter 11. Our focus this morning is going to be on verses 28 through 30 primarily, but I'm going to begin reading in verse 25. But before we do that, let's look to the Lord for His help. Let's pray. We thank You, our Father, for the bread of life that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is so clearly revealed in your word. And as we just sang, we know we are utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit to show us this truth from your book, which you've given to us. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will illumine our hearts, that we will see all things clearly, that we will see you, Lord Jesus, most especially the one who alone can give us in this world rest and peace. And we pray it all in your name. Amen. Beginning in verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And I'm going to continue reading into chapter 12, and it may not be immediately apparent as to why I'm doing that, but hopefully as we open up this passage, you'll see why I want us to read this. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. 
His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is the Word of God. I would imagine for many of you, as it is the case for many Christians, that Matthew 11:28 is a beloved verse. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we take that as a, a great promise in the Christian life that in the toils of the Christian life, in the challenges that we face, in the weariness that comes at times in living for Christ, that we can cry out to Him for the rest we need. Is this true? Yes. Is it taught in this verse? No. At least not directly. And when I say that, I, I take no delight in stripping a beloved verse from somebody and how they've taken it to, you know, what they've understood by that verse. Indeed, this truth is clearly taught in God's Word. That in the weariness of the Christian life, we can cry out to the Lord for rest. I just happened to be reading this past week to my father who's Recovering from cancer surgery from Isaiah 40. Another beloved passage. Beginning in verse 29. He gives strength to the weary. Increases the power of the weak. There's that general truth. Even, even the youth grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those, and here's that beloved verse, maybe you have it on a plaque hanging on your wall. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So indeed, we have that promise. But it's not taught here. And I would like for us to see exactly what is taught here. 
And to say, I hope that this will continue to be a beloved verse for a different reason. And so my challenge to all of us this morning is simply this. Let us glory in the rest that Jesus Christ alone can give to our souls. Look at what Jesus says when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, Bob, if it doesn't teach that general truth that in the Christian life we go to Christ for rest, what does it teach? Well, look at this word, burdened. And remember where we are. It's important always, whenever we open up any passage, to read it in its context. Here, within the Gospel of Matthew, is Jesus presents Himself as the Messiah who was promised in the Old Testament. And as the audience to which Matthew writes is primarily Jewish. And as we remember that through this Gospel and in the other Gospels as well, that, that Jesus is continually butting heads with the Pharisees and the scribes, the ones who are supposed to be the experts in the law, the ones who are held in high esteem for their righteousness. And if we were to go back two chapters earlier, we would see something of that in Matthew 9. No mistake that it's there that Matthew provides this before coming to this passage. When Jesus says, look, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And then he goes on to give the significance of that. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What's going on there? Is Jesus saying, as he deals with the Pharisees, they're righteous, they don't need to repent? No. They are righteous externally. It's not as though they didn't have any understanding of God's favor or grace in any way, but their understanding of the law had gotten to the point where they believed that obedience to that law had something to do with their acceptance before God. They were sinners, but they didn't see it. Just like somebody who may be plagued with some disease and the doctors are telling that person, you are sick, you're dying, you need to be treated. And they say, no, I'm fine, really, I'm fine, never felt better. They don't need the doctor, they don't see that they're sick, but they truly do need them. The Pharisees were sinners, but they didn't need Jesus because they didn't see their sin. And Jesus, as a result, is saying to them, I didn't come to call you. I came to call sinners. Those who see their sin. As the president of the seminary where I went in Philadelphia, a Baptist seminary said, so well, before you can get people saved, you need to get them lost. 
Now, our, my theology with that man differs greatly, but it's true. You won't see your need for Jesus Christ until you see your sinful heart. And what were these Pharisees doing? They were telling the people what they needed to do of all the laws that they needed to obey. Now, we're going to come back to that. But they were putting a burden on the people they could not bear. They could never gain their acceptance before God by obeying the law. That's what's going on in here. And you would say, well, I don't see that clearly here. Well, there are other supporting passages. There are two passages I would like for us to turn to very briefly that present to us the noun form of this verb that gets translated burdened. One is Matthew 23. No mistake. Turn there with me briefly. Matthew 23. As Jesus deals with the Pharisees, He says regarding them, the teachers of the law, the scribes, and the Pharisees, the experts who interpret the law for sit in Moses' seat. So, you must obey them and do everything they tell you. Here's where we get that phrase, practice what you preach. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They're laying this burden upon you. Do it. Obey it. But don't do as they do. Now listen to what he says in verse 4. They tie up heavy loads, burdens, and they put them on men's shoulders like a weight that is crushing them to the ground. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. A similar verse in Luke chapter 11. Turn there with me, please, for a moment. Luke chapter 11, as he addresses in verse 46, the experts in the law, and he says, Woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. What are the burdens? The burden of the law, which we're going to... Talk about in a positive sense in just a little bit. But here, the burden of the law that was crushing them was this idea that somehow, through their obedience, through their external righteousness, that they could somehow please God and come into His favor. Such a load no man was meant to bear. It was crushing them. And then notice what Jesus says. In Matthew 11, as he says to those who are burdened by the law that's crushing them, come to me. I will give you rest. It's no mistake that in the next passage, Matthew deals with the Sabbath and how the Pharisees were distorting 
the understanding of the Sabbath as they see the disciples picking heads of grain. Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus goes on not to somehow put an end to the Sabbath and say the Sabbath no longer applies, but basically to tell them, look, you've gotten it all wrong. You've misinterpreted what God requires of his people. And the intention of the Sabbath And then he goes on to proclaim, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I will tell you what it means. I will give you its significance. You see, when God instituted the Sabbath at creation, after he created all things and it was good and he entered into his rest, this was his state of blessedness. He wanted his people to be a part of that as well. And so he instituted the seventh day as a Sabbath. It's less about the day and more about the desire for his people to enter into his eternal rest. He wants them to have that. Of course, once Adam and Eve sinned, that was all messed up. They couldn't enter his rest in and of themselves. But Jesus can give that rest. Jesus who lived a perfect life. Jesus who always pleased his Father. Jesus who always obeyed and never sinned. And then died for sinners and then rose again from the dead. He delivered them from the toil of this life, from all the miseries of sin, to give them rest. He became, as we sang this morning in Rock of Ages, the double cure for sin. To release us from its guilt that sends us to hell and from its power that holds us in bondage which we cannot shake to give us rest. And then he says in verse 29 as if to say shake off the yoke that the Pharisees are putting upon you that is crushing you. Take my yoke. What is a yoke? Well, in speaking about this at this time, Matthew's talking about the beam that is put on oxen, where they are hooked up to a wagon to pull the load of that wagon. And that's a burden upon their necks to pull that wagon. It's a yoke. And Jesus says, take mine upon you and learn from me. And we hear of the nature of Jesus towards his people. I'm gentle, humble. I will give you rest for your souls. And then notice the clarification that he gives. Lest somebody misunderstand. Oh, well, wait, I'm going to 
shake off the burden of the Pharisees to take a new one on. Well, what's the difference? Here's the difference. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He places upon us a new yoke. Now, if we were to go to Romans 6 and we see the truth being taught there, I would love to open up, but we don't have the time. When Paul tells us, we're not under the law, we're under grace. We're no longer under the burden of the law, which God never intended for His people, by the way. Apart from the covenant of works after creation in Adam, when He could obey perfectly, but He didn't. That in that sense, we're no longer under the law, but under grace. But if you'll notice, if you go and read Romans 6, Paul makes it very clear. Does does that mean we can sin so grace can abound? Does that mean that the law is of no value to us? By no means. And then he goes on to talk about the fact that we're no longer slaves to sin and grace. We're slaves to righteousness. We have a new slavery. We are bondservants in Christ. But it's easy because it is in Christ. He has obeyed perfectly for you. And we speak about our justification that our sins are forgiven and the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. But also we speak of our sanctification that now we're brought into this state where the requirements of the law, of the Ten Commandments, which sum up the law, still remain for us. But they're in Christ now. We can obey them. And so we speak of our sanctification as we die to sin and and live to righteousness. In Jesus Christ, now it is possible. And so when Jesus says to His disciples, that your obedience must exceed that of the Pharisees. He's speaking about it in the sense that you now can go forward with my yoke. It's easy. It's light. The Apostle John got this so clearly right when he says in 1 John 5, verse 3, his commands are not burdensome. They're no longer a burden to us. Now, when I say that, by no means am I saying to you, oh, the Christian life is so easy. No difficulties at all. No struggles with temptation to obey, to keep your heart pure. No. But in Christ, we are able to do it. In Christ, we can say with Paul in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
And we can say with him in 1 Corinthians 10, there's no temptation to sin that is so great that he has not provided a way to escape. We can live this Christian life truly. We can be slaves to Christ who is gentle with us who will not snuff out a smoldering wick, who is there to strengthen us, to carry us, who is our empowerment in the Christian life. And in that sense, compared to the oppression of the law which crushes you, which you cannot obey perfectly, that burden is light. So Jesus deals with two things here that we know in theology in this passage without getting explicit. Legalism. Or this idea that somehow through the obedience of the law we can gain the favor of God. No. But He also deals with what we know is antinomianism in theology. This idea that because we're no longer under the law but under grace, that obedience to the law, and some will say, well, it's good, but it's, it's not necessary. It's not required. It is. To not be under the law does not mean in the Christian life freedom from the law. And in your denomination and in my own, There are struggles among those who teach a hyper-grace theology that so emphasizes, rightly so, that salvation is by grace in Jesus Christ, that they forget about what is required in the Christian life in a dangerous way. We must avoid both extremes. Jesus has given you, and Lord willing, we'll see this next week from Hebrews 4, Jesus has given you rest. He's brought you. This isn't just rest plopped on, I'm no longer weary, but rest for your souls that you enter into the blessed state of God's rest, which has to do with our eternal life. But such a life is freedom from the bondage to sin. It allows us to go on and live in Him. As our Lord. But Jesus is no cruel taskmaster. He's gentle with us. He, like our Heavenly Father, When we sin, when we fall, as His children is not out to get us. Oh, He disciplines us. But He's not out to get us. He is for us. And if He is for us, who can be against us? You see, Satan will come along and and say to you in your sin, how can you be a Christian? 
And He places that weight upon us of the law anew. That somehow through our obedience to the law, we gain the favor of God. And He deceives millions of people all over the world that by their life, they gain God's acceptance. He lies to us. But our Savior is gentle. And He gives us rest. Eternal rest. That is what is being taught in this passage for us. And so, it may be the case that you, like I did, took this verse in a general way for the weariness of the Christian life and we get rest. That, that's been stripped away. What well, I would say to you, may this verse still be beloved to you. We are free from the commands of men. We are under the yoke of Christ who gives us rest. What a precious verse. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank You that You've not left us to ourselves. Thank You that in the weariness that does continue to come in the Christian life, when we forget that it's through Christ that we have rest, not through our own obedience, that we're called anew to come back to Christ. And Father, I ask for anyone here to whom this glorious truth of having rest in Christ alone through faith in Him has not been made clear that You will make it clear to them. That they will know that rest. They will enter into it as they look ahead to the eternal rest that we have, the glory to come. For all of us, may we continually remind ourselves of these things. That we would not fall prey to the lies of Satan that we would not slide back into a slavish misunderstanding of the law and place ourselves under a burden we were never meant to bear. We pray, Lord Jesus, that in You we will see and flee to our rest. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that You will make all these things happen. We ask it all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would have you turn with me, please, as a hymn of response and commitment as we consider the rest we have in Jesus Christ to number 188. Jesus, I am resting, resting. Number 188, as we stand together, please.